0: Welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you all about strange things that have happened in history. I'm Amelia Edwards and with me, as always, is my co-host Barnaby King. Hello there. And how are you doing today Barnaby?
1: I'm good, it's been an incredibly warm day though.
0: It has, we've been up to 27 degrees.
1: Indeed, such heat today.
0: I know, and we've also lost our guest podcaster from last week, Fiona Milway.
1: Fiona Milway, gone back to the land of even hotter. I know. AKA Australia.
0: <laughs> that is what it's called, the land of even hotter. Yes. We've got a songs like I come from a land that's even hotter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so in her, in her honour... I have got a couple of Australian stories for you today. A couple? Yes, we're going to start off with an Episode S
1: Ah excellent. It's been a while since we've had an
0: Episode. Et. And this episode et I am going to tell you is about platypuses.
1: Oh, nice. Traditional Australian animal. Yeah. Apparently cute.
0: very hard to keep in zoos.
1: That makes sense. I'm sure they're really just used to one sort of climate.
0: Like, they're very specific, apparently. Yeah. I mean, when I was in Australia, back when I was a kid, I went to Australia Zoo, which was the zoo that was owned by Steve Irwin. Oh, awesome. And he was there. Oh, wow. Wow. And did a talk where they mentioned the fact that they couldn't keep platypuses at Australia Zoo because it's too hard to keep platypuses. Amazing. Even in Australia. Why are they so fussy? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Something about the water temperature or something, but they're very particular. Right. Talking about which, though... Um, there was an instance of a very particularly fussy platypus Right At the Bronx Zoo in the 1950s Oh, outside of Australia Outside of Australia Oh,
1: I didn't realise there were platypuses in zoos outside of Australia
0: I'm not sure there are
1: Oh, okay <laughs> Oh, no <laughs> I'm suddenly very worried about this story
0: Oh, no, it's a cute story So, on Friday, the 6th of November, 1953 David Fleier... Received a cable from America Okay No babies this year There's always next year Signed Penelope The whole of America No (laughs)
1: babies
0: (laughs) Well this followed Almost five months of anxious waiting And an exchange of telegrams Between Mr Flay I think that's how you pronounce his name And the Bronx Zoo Okay Uh, Because Penelope the platypus Was pregnant Oh okay Or so they thought Oh Okay. But now there aren't any
1: babies. Right. Okay. So, is this just a really sad story about platypus miscarriage or something?
0: Well, this is what Mr. Flea said. He said to the courier mail in Brisbane that he had no doubt that Penelope had hatched young. Oh, okay. He said something apparently went wrong. It is a great disappointment... Charts I have received from America are identical with those kept in our successful breeding in Victoria in 1943. Okay. And he says, naturally, we can't even guess what went wrong, but I feel sure that remains of young or eggshells would be found if her earth bank was carefully sifted.
1: R- okay. I'm getting a bit confused here. So, right. So we've got a platypus in yep. the Bronx Zoo, yep. which was apparently pregnant. Yes. And there are no babies. There are no babies. And they're dredging some earth?
0: Well, this guy reckons that... So platypus keep their burrows in, like, earth banks on the sides of rivers. Right,
1: I see. Okay.
0: And he reckons that if they got one of those garden sieves... Right. and went through her whole earth bank, oh, then no. they would find proof of babies. Oh, no, they're going to tear her home apart looking for children to take away. Well, the thing is, they had already torn her home apart. Oh, okay. Um, There are some wonderful lines in this Courier Mail article, though. Yeah. Because this is... Mr. Flea, the Australian, seems to be quite, you know, kind to Penelope. He says, mm. I'm certain she was pregnant. Meanwhile, the New Yorkers are not as kind. Oh. They said, so... In this article, it says, Officials at New York's Bronx Zoo slumped dejectedly in their chairs at lunchtime yesterday and said they had been duped by Penelope.
1: Oh, She's a
0: faker, they said, and they accused her of posing as an expectant mother just to lead a life of luxury on double rations. Oh my god,
1: yes, that's amazing. Is that what she's done? Almost definitely,
0: that's what she's done.
1: Amazing. Oh, Penelope.
0: So... What happened was that they had been thinking for a while that Penelope had had babies. Right. Um, Apparently she took some eucalyptus leaves and things into her burrow and that's what they nest in. Oh, okay. And then she also stayed inside the burrow for a while and then came out and ate a really big meal. Amazing. So they were like, that looks like... An expectant mother or a mother who's just had little baby platypuses. Or a platypus that just had a real big nap and is now hungry. (laughs) I think that might be what happened. (laughs) Um, So then there was going to be a cold snap Oh, okay. so the zookeepers were worried that the babies might right. freeze. Yeah. So they went, okay. This is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to dig into her mound, like her earth mound that she's got. Oh damn! Apparently, it was nine foot by seven foot. Wow. Uh, so that's a hell of an earth. Like, I know what size a platypus is. They're not very big. Oh, okay. Like they're smaller than our smaller rabbits. Oh, really? I think so. I think they're tiny. Good lord. Fair enough. Um, I, in my head, they're always big, but I'm like going. I'm going to look up the size of platypuses now. Give Fair me a enough. second. <music> okay, so male platypuses are bigger than female platypuses. Oh, really? And they average fifty centimeters in length. Aww. That's so
1: cute. They're
0: very diddy. Yeah,
1: that's like less than two feet long.
0: Yeah, I guess in my mind, I always imagine them being like a cross between like a beaver and a duck. Mm. So I guess I always imagine them being beaver-sized, which can be quite big. Beavers are, yeah, they, they can be quite big. But yeah, no. Aww. Platypuses are quite small. Oh, so cute. So... They decided they were going to dig into this mound, yeah, and they were going to get the baby platypuses out. Yeah, makes so, sense. So, <laughs> two zookeepers started digging. Yeah, one of them carried a pair of baby scales to weigh the young platypuses. Aww. One of them kept hot, damp towels wrapped about his body to bundle the babies in as soon as they were found.
1: Aww.
0: One carried straw-lined cradles. That's
1: so cute.
0: One sat at the wheel of the zoo ambulance to rush the babies to warm quarters. Oh. <laughs> but after several hours of careful digging, right. They finally they'd cl- they'd cleared away 3 quarters of this clay bank. Damn. And they saw a platypus bill. And they saw a platypus tail. Okay. We've got two, they shouted. They then grabbed at the platypus tail, hauled it out, and passed it to the men with the baby scales and the warm towels. Right. They then rushed back to the man at the scales, who assumed he had one of Penelope's babies on hand. Okay. And then they looked at the platypus tail, saw a small nick in it, and realised it was Penelope. Oh,
1: no! (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. And the second platypus was...
0: It's, her it's partner. Just that they saw Penelope twice in two they different saw ways. Penelope twice. <laughs> they saw her tail, and they saw her beak, and oh they were like God. two platypuses. It wasn't. It was one platypus, <laughs>
1: and it was the one they already had. Yes. <laughs> who was sleeping off a double ration meal? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so for another three hours, the keepers dug through the clay pit, finding not a trace of a platypus's nest. Amazing. Then, dejected, they said of Penelope, what a racket she was working, getting double rations for five months.
1: <laughs> five months? Five months! Oh, that's amazing. Oh, she's done a little long con. She's very
0: good at conning. That's amazing. They said, no more of that for her. Then, the zoo officials, who had received airmailed advice several times a week from Mr. Flay, said, I don't know what we're going to tell Mr. Flay now. Oh,
1: no, he was expecting
0: little platypus. Pups? I guess Cubs? Not cubs no. I don't I'll go with pups Maybe they're like joeys No that sounds wrong too That does sound wrong I'm going to go with pups Let's go with platypus pups Why not? Because that's lots of
1: peas <laughs> Which is very good for podcast recording
0: <laughs> So this was not the only time That she managed to pull the wool over people's eyes Okay Um, In July of 1957 So four years later Yeah Yeah she escaped the zoo.
1: What? How does a platypus escape the zoo?
0: I don't know. Oh.
1: I take it neither do they.
0: No. <laughs> um, the New York Times said that she was believed to have scrambled out of her burrow and escaped over a wire fence in resisting the advances of her mate, Cecil.
1: Oh, amazing.
0: Cecil's not having a good time. He's not a father either.
1: Oh, poor Cecil. <laughs> and she
0: has managed to escape. <laughs> um. They had to search the Bronx River yeah, um, to see if they could find her. But after several weeks, they ended up saying that she is presumed lost and probably dead.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. It's not the right environment for a platypus.
0: But Time magazine continued this sort of American thing of being mean to this platypus. Oh, no. They wrote that she was one of those saucy females who liked to keep a male on a string.
1: Amazing. Oh, fantastic Snaps for Penelope
0: (laughs) And now, onto our main story But first, a word from our sponsor I like doing that
1: (laughs) No, I do too, to be fair
0: Okay, so Barnaby Imagine it's the 17th of December, 1967 Okay 10 years after Penelope the platypus escaped from the Bronx Zoo,
1: (laughs) but Ah. that's not important to the story. Ah, can you imagine? It was 10 years ago that that platypus escaped (laughs) from the zoo, and the moon landing will be in two years. What a time to be alive. Amazing.
0: So Harold Holt, the Prime Minister of Australia, is in Portsea, Victoria, on his summer holidays. Okay. He's got a beach house there. He likes to hang out there a lot. Fair enough. So on this particular day, he pops to the shop to buy the weekend newspaper, insect repellent and peanuts. <laughs> oh, he's having a good time. I, I love that I have those details. <laughs> it's nice doing recent-ish history sometimes. Rocking that party. Hell yeah, boys, you know the party
1: doesn't start until the insect repellent <laughs> and peanuts turn up.
0: One of the headlines in The Australian on this particular day was prime minister advised to swim less right this is going to be important later okay apparently his personal physician had warned him not to overexert himself and to avoid swimming and tennis okay is this
1: because his partying lifestyle is too hard now
0: yeah he eats way too many peanuts
1: yeah and snorts (laughs) way too much insect repellent
0: oh god Well, no Harold was planning to have a lovely day Okay He was going to have a trip to Point Nepion To see the circumnavigator Alex Rose Pass through the rip into Port Phillip Bay Okay Then he was going to have a barbecue lunch Of course And an afternoon spearfishing trip Of course Of course Yeah, makes sense However, this lovely day was going to end in a disaster Dun 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 Now, he went to Point Nepion And I hope I'm pronouncing it right with a na- you are not, it is pronounced Nepier. <laughs> he went with a neighbor of his whose name was Marjorie Gillespie. Okay. He'd been having an affair with Marjorie. Oh.
1: Ooh. I saucy. know.
0: Like, I, I think maybe he parties harder than the insect repellent and peanuts give us <laughs> um, give us reference to. Anyway, they, he went with her and her daughter and a couple of friends of theirs. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't see Rose's yacht very clearly as it went through the strait. Okay. So they decided to leave. And on the way back to Portsea, he decided to completely ignore his doctor's advice, and he suggested that they stop at Cheviot Beach for a swim. Right.
1: They're like, but you don't have your trunks with you. And he's like, it's okay. I have the newspaper. (laughs) And the insect repellent will form a seal. The peanuts are just for a light snack.
0: None of them have any reference to the story. I just thought it was funny that that detail. It's not just in the books or anything. It's on the Wikipedia page. Oh, wow.
1: Amazing. Why is it there? I don't know. That's why I'm trying to weave it into the story.
0: (laughs) So apparently he knew Cheviot Beach well. In 1960, he had even salvaged a porthole from the SS Cheviot, which was a shipwreck that happened in that bay. Oh, cool. So he didn't hesitate to enter the water. Right. Um... With him was a man called Stuart He was the only other swimmer And the ladies basically said That doesn't look safe Okay There's a strong undertone Right, yeah There's a large swell There's visible currents
1: This is sounding a bit saucy
0: Well, Holt swam into the deeper water And he was dragged out to sea Oh damn The others called out to him But he did not raise his arms or cry for help He was just like, I'm fine. He slipped under the waves and out of sight, in a manner which his previous lover described as like a leaf being taken out, so quick and final.
1: He just sort of, before he slipped under, he just held up an arm with just thumbs up.
0: Yep. He's like, I'm all good.
1: (laughs) I am just returning to my people, the sea folk.
0: Incidentally, he had refused to have a bodyguard while on holiday. Even that he's...
1: To protect him from the sea.
0: Well, to protect him from anything. Um, because he saw it as a violation of his privacy. Yeah, I could get that. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm. His wife, Zara, later suggested it was so he could hide his extramarital affairs. That
1: also makes sense. also
0: makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He's kind of a saucy guy as Holt. I think Indeed. he's getting it on with a lot of people. Apparently so. Now, the thing is that this way of suddenly drowning apparently didn't mesh with the Australian public. They were like, okay. that doesn't seem right. Why wasn't he struggling? Right. You know? Yeah. So there's a couple of theories that people came up with as to how come he just suddenly drowns.
1: Okay, right. So I don't know if it's just the heat or something, but it's just this all seems like... Everything I think you've said since the beginning of this episode is just like a little bit weird. I'm just like,
0: maybe it's the way I'm telling it. I don't
1: know. No, no, no. I think it's just the heat. I'm just Uh. like, I'm just like struggling to follow. And I don't think that I really should be. I think it's all fine.
0: I hope so. I mean, Harold Holt went into the sea. Yeah. He drowned. Yeah. But like, so
1: there's some sort of, so there's a mystery about what really happen i'm assuming there's like some conspiracy
0: theory stuff there's conspiracy theories about why harold holt died okay so the first and kind of more obvious thing is that maybe he was trying to kill himself
1: oh no that's horrible
0: which is horrible it also doesn't make a whole lot of sense no he's got them peanuts to look forward to (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) um So they say that maybe he was depressed and mentally unstable and killed himself because he thought his political career was in jeopardy. Uh, But the police at the time said, no, he followed an ordinary domestic pattern in the days before his disappearance. Hmm. And also, it would be really weird to commit suicide in front of witnesses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would be really odd.
0: To be like, oh, hey, guys, look... We didn't plan a swim, but can you just wait while I go drown myself real quick? Hey guys, fancy watching me die? (laughs) Yeah, no. An odd thing to do. Yeah, really odd. Yeah, it's almost definitely not. However, there were also a couple of conspiracy theories about exactly what was going on. So, most of these conspiracy theories involve a cover-up at the highest level of government. Oh, was it an assassination? Well, the Sunday Observer in 1968 claimed that he had been assassinated by the CIA. Oh, no. Supposedly. They put that undertow there. (laughs) Supposedly, because he intended to pull Australia out of the Vietnamese war. Right. I have to say, I think that's
1: unlikely. Mm -hmm. I think it's very unlikely because of our episode about the CIA's attempts (laughs) to assassinate Fidel Castro. Which was around this time. Which was around this time and was so stupid that they couldn't possibly have done this. Like, if they were involved, they would have, what, painted a a seashell a particularly bright colour to encourage him to look at it. And was that one a bomb?
0: Yes, it was a bomb. Oh my god, I I mean, the thing is, right, like... If your plan is to assassinate somebody based on the fact you know they like to swim, Mm. and it works, why wouldn't you then do it with another person that you know likes to swim, (laughs) namely Fidel Castro? Yeah,
1: no, bright shells all the way.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um, so there were also suggestions that instead of the CIA it was the North Vietnamese wow okay who incapacitated him with a nerve agent
1: Oh and that's why he didn't struggle and Yes ah. oh. but no. how
0: did they get it to him Yeah <laughs> without all of his friends on the beach seeing I don't know <laughs> They're all in on it There was a claim that he faked his death
1: Ooh in
0: order to be with a lover
1: I mean, given what we know, that sounds the most likely so far out of these conspiracy theories.
0: But also, wouldn't you feel so bad to be Marjorie, the other lover, yeah. who has to watch him fake his death so he can be with a third woman that we yeah. don't know about?
1: That makes sense. He's gone to be with his true love, Peanuts.
0: <laughs> no, it was the insect repellent the whole time.
1: Oh, yeah, but he's having an affair with the Peanuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> In.
1: (laughs) Look at us callously laughing at a man's death.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird death, though. It's a bit odd. In 1983, a British journalist called Anthony Gray published a book called The Prime Minister Was a Spy.
1: (laughs) Okay, giving away the end there.
0: Um, He claimed that Holt was a lifelong spy for the People's Republic of China. Wow,
1: everyone's claiming him.
0: And. In this case, it's a fake death... Right. ...to defect to China. I see. And the reason why he slid underneath the waves was because he was collected by (laughs) frogmen. Like, as in people in diving suits, (laughs) not like...
1: (laughs) I know, it's people in diving suits, but I can't get the image out of my head now.
0: China has made a pact with the frogmen. And they dragged him to a waiting submarine. Amazing. Amazing. Um reviewers have noted many factual errors in this book mm. for one thing a submarine can't get that close to the shore no I was gonna
1: say <laughs> submarines are big and you know require a lot of space yeah a lot of space a lot of room um, like a submersible maybe like a little thing but
0: I don't think they're Pulling him away to a waiting submersible, no. though. How would you get into it? Exactly, one? yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work. No, really. Also, doesn't. and most importantly, his wife Zara pointed out that her husband didn't even like Chinese food. <laughs> well, okay. So, I, why would he defect to China if he didn't like the food? I, I mean.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sure sorry. there are other reasons. Possibly go with those rather than he doesn't like the food. I'm sure there should be other reasons as to why, you know, her partner is not defecting to China.
0: I'm sure she came up with other reasons, but this is the one we've gone with, (laughs) dammit. He doesn't like Chinese food. He's not defecting to China.
1: He once got a whiff of my Kung Pao chicken and he passed out for a week.
0: But also, like, why... I don't understand how they could both think that the CIA wanted to kill him because he was pulling out of Vietnam and that the North Vietnamese wanted to kill him. Yeah, I mean, the conspiracy theories never have to match up, though, do they? I guess not. But it's like, surely there's at least some established view about his ideas on Vietnam. Vietnam.
1: I don't know, you can always say that he's <laughs> secretly one or the other, I guess. Like how he's secretly apparently real close with China.
0: I mean, maybe. Now, I think it's much more likely that he did just drown. Yeah. Um, There is a whole page dedicated to this episode in Australian history on Wikipedia. Amazing. And they mention his love of the sea. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, what about his love of peanuts, local news, and his hatred of insects?
0: Oh, no, this man is bonkers. Okay. Okay. He was introduced to spearfishing in 1954, and this soon became his preferred vacation activity. So, like, every holiday, he's going spearfishing. All right, fair enough. He wore a wetsuit so that he could go in the winter as well. Yeah, and he preferred either skin diving or snorkeling as he found air tanks burdensome what is skin diving i think that means when you don't have a snorkel or anything you're just diving oh okay. like you hold your breath right right, right. so once he'd speared a fish he would unzip his wetsuit and place the fish still bleeding inside gross because and- how else are you gonna keep all of your fish i guess I mean, could you not take, like, a net with you? You'd think so. I also worry about shark attacks. Yeah.
1: And also, unzipping the wetsuit. Feels like it kind of robs the purpose <laughs> of the wetsuit.
0: Well, you get water in your wetsuit. It is just to keep it warm. Oh, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, it, it sounds so gross.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Imagine
0: having a wetsuit full of bloody fish. Yeah. Gross. Apparently, <laughs> Darling, would you like
1: a hug? No.
0: <laughs> apparently, though, he was not a strong surface swimmer.
1: Okay. But he was real good underwater. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so apparently this, like, caused alarm among his friends. Right. So several of his friends confronted him about the dangers of spearfishing, yep. including his press secretary. And he responded to the press secretary, Look, Tony. What are the odds of a Prime Minister being drowned or taken by a shark? (laughs) (laughs) Considerably heightened by you. (laughs) Pretty high, as it turns out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how many Prime Ministers Australia has had, but it can't be that many when you think about the odds of a Prime Minister being drowned. Mm, Yeah. He'd also previously had a close call while diving at the same beach. Wow, okay. This was on the 20th of May, 1967. Yeah. And he had to get pulled ashore by his diving companions. He remained conscious, but turned purple oh. and vomited a large amount of seawater. Oh, God, that's gross. And he attributed this accident to a leaky snorkel. Right. And said, that's the closest I've ever been to drowning in my life. <laughs> I want to go again. <laughs> He's very good at um, saying ironic things. Yeah, a few months later, on the 5th of August, he went spearfishing at Dunk Island on the Great Barrier Reef. Dunk Island. Dunk Island. Why is it called that? Oh, God, I don't know. Let me have a look. It's named that because of colonialism. Oh, of course it is. So, James Cook sailed yeah. past it in the Endeavour. And named it after George Montague Dunk, the second <laughs> Earl of Halifax. The
1: second Earl of Basketball. <laughs>
0: um, I'm going to butcher the language, but in native languages mm-hmm. uh, to the island, it's called Kunanglebar, I think.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So, yeah, but it gets called Dunk Island on Wikipedia because...
1: Colonialism. Colonialism, I guess. Yeah
0: so while he was spearfishing at this island he spent 25 minutes chasing a large coral trout <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry i don't know why i imagine it like the benny hill theme yeah kind of thing. no
1: 100 like percent.
0: running in and out of the coral reef <laughs> also like chasing a fish It doesn't sound like a good idea to me. No, it really doesn't. Like, you are not in your element. They very much are in their element. Yes, and indeed he had to abandon this due to extreme shortness of breath. Yeah, that makes sense. Stop trying to chase a fish. So I guess what I'm saying is, I think that although the conspiracy theories are fascinating, they're also real dumb. Yeah. It sounds like he liked swimming a lot. He wasn't... (laughs) amazing at swimming like he seems solid at swimming but not if you got an undertow going on
1: and he's been told not to swim
0: and he's been told not to swim for health
1: reasons yeah like this is a lot of factors that kind of go hey stay away from the sea right
0: now (laughs) but I have to go for a swim before I go spearfishing later in the (laughs) afternoon I
1: have to acclimatise to the sea so that (laughs) I can chase a trout for nearly half
0: an hour I love chasing trout for half an hour (laughs) So I thought I'd also tell you about some of the memorials to him. Amazing. Because some of them are incredible. Okay. Uh, One thing that happened was they have bolted a commemorative plaque to him on a reef. Right. At Cheviot Bay. Oh, wow. It's about 15 metres underwater. Of course it is. They also put some monuments to him on the cliff above the beach. Amazing, yeah. And at the Melbourne General Cemetery, uh, this one says... He loved the sea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he has returned to the sea.
0: Um, in September of 1968, a naval communications station in Western Australia was renamed in his honour. Oh, I thought you were going to say they picked up word from him. <laughs> <laughs> he was still out at sea all that time. He was with his lover. She was a mermaid. Of course.
1: There we go. Yes. That's much more plausible than he goes in defects to China. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean mermaids presumably eat fish right whereas the chinese eat chinese food and he's not into that no he's definitely not but but he likes fish
1: he does like fish and yeah mermaids definitely going to do that unless they're like vegetarians yeah maybe maybe they're like lick algae (laughs) or something oh god (laughs) oh god I've just had a horrible image of a mermaid but with like those sieve mouths that whales have yes. to get plankton yeah it's a hideous image that's
0: horrible I think let's imagine them more like seals I think they hunt uh, for fish
1: yeah cool
0: I also think that they're very fat and blubbery <laughs> yeah there's no way anyone as skinny as the current little mermaid is a mermaid <laughs>
1: But a seal on the other hand Yes A seal could be the little
0: mermaid <laughs> A seal could be the little mermaid And probably was Let's be honest Oh yeah There were Always a lot of definitely. confusions With manatees and whatnot Yeah And to be fair Like If you're not
1: expecting it Sudden appearance of a seal Is odd Yeah Like we have experienced This firsthand.
0: Yes It came up out of the sea And yeah. it had big black eyes I was like What the hell is that Yeah
1: but you were in you were in the kayak at the time. I was.
0: You? Uh, no, that like, was before I went out in the kayak because it came and investigated me while I was in the kayak.
1: Ah, there we go. Yeah, but it, it's
0: like if you're just catching. They're a, a bit alien. It,
1: yeah, it's
0: a <laughs> little bit like oh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, it is odd. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he just fell in love with a seal from <laughs> with a distance. a seal. seal. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I shall bring it, peanuts." <laughs>
1: Tried to impress it by, you know, just being chill about the undertow and everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when it sank under the water, it was like, my sealy love saved me. And the seal looked at him and was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, this isn't the only naval thing that was named after Holt. Okay. Everything seems to be to do with the ocean. Yeah. Um, the following year, Holt's widow was invited to Los Angeles to launch the USS Harold E. Holt. Oh, Okay. There are only a few Navy ships in the US named after foreign leaders. Oh, right. Also, um, they opened a Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Centre as well in suburban Melbourne.
1: (laughs) Every year they have a traditional ceremony where they release a trout and everyone (laughs) must chase after it. (laughs)
0: The Australian army also dedicated a swimming pool to his memory. They love dedicating swimming pools. Yeah. The Harold Holt Memorial Pool at the Australian base in Vung Tau, Vietnam. That is a thing, isn't it, that Australia loves a commemorative pool? They love a commemorative <laughs> pool. I think it started with World War 1 mm. and then it just kept on keeping on. Yeah. Now, his death has entered folklore. Okay. because this is such a bonker's way for I mean, a politician to go one hundred percent, yeah, um so Bill Bryson, the travel writer, mm-hmm. called it the swim that needed no towel,
1: <laughs> but did need <eat>
0: peanuts, <laughs> but did need peanuts. Um, And also his name has become a byword for a sudden or unexplained disappearance. Ah. So if you do a Harold Holtz, it's rhyming slang for to bolt Ah, to make a quick exit.
1: Amazing.
0: And also, and most importantly for British listeners, it inspired part of the storyline in The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin. So, this was a British sitcom or or a TV series about a man who couldn't take his life anymore. Right. So, he fakes his own death by the sea by leaving. And, like, there's, like, a really famous shot of, like, he's left his clothes in a little pile by the beach. And loads of other people have done it since. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then Reginald Perrin realises that he's really bored and wants to go back to his old life, so he turns (laughs) up and pretends he's someone else, but they all know it's him. Amazing. It's a hilarious series. It's really stupid.
1: That's brilliant. When did that... What sort of era is that?
0: I think that was in the 80s. Ah,
1: that makes sense.
0: But they did like a redo of it um, back in the 2010s, which was pretty good. Oh,
1: fair enough. Mm. There we go. Mm. Thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at ThatTimeWhen4 and suggest episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com.
0: Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby has used in this podcast. And
1: thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and buy some peanuts. (laughs) Bye!